Welcome everyone to First Baptist Church of Dakota's audio sermon. My name is Anna Holt and I'm the children's director. Thank you again for joining us today. This past Sunday, Pastor Steve was at home taking care of Miss Debbie, so Pastor Jeff filled the pulpit and preached on Jacob and Esau. Please continue to pray for Miss Debbie as she continues to recover. Before we jump in today's audio sermon, I want to remind you that this weekend is our Valentine's Day banquet. You can still order your tickets online at shakotafbc.com or come up to the church office and purchase them. Local Southern Gospel singer Cookie Eller and the Crystal River Band will be performing for us. It'll be a good time of fun and fellowship this Sunday at 5 p.m. In today's audio sermon, we look at Jacob and Esau, the twin brothers that changed the world and created two nations. But before the nations were started, the two brothers fought each other in the womb and then later, one took the other's blessing. We'll look at Genesis 25, 21 through 34. If you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 25. So I do believe that I'm going to be preaching again next week. So what I wanted to do was to do kind of a mini series with you guys. I wanted to do, I wanted to do a small study over Jacob and Esau. And this, and as I've told you in the past, Whenever I do our, our Bible studies for the youth group, whenever I preach for you guys, or even just on Sunday nights whenever I get to preach for you guys, uh, a lot of the times I preach out of Bible studies that I have had in the past out of my quiet times, anything like that of the sort. And I know that if it's coming or if it's being coming from my quiet time, I know that it's going to be good for you guys to listen in as well. And, you know, it gets my thought across as well of, you know, this is what I've got to hear. This is what God has put on my heart. It's out of conviction that I, that I preach this. So, you know, uh, about at the beginning of the year, I wanted to take the students through the book of Genesis. And uh, so we started doing a, a, a book study over the book of Genesis. And, uh, man, it was phenomenal. Sunday mornings, we were able to, to cover a lot of territory and it was just a fun time to be able to break down uh, from the creation all the way to the end of Joseph. And we just wrapped up Joseph today. It was a good time. Really thoroughly enjoyed it. But during that time, whenever we're looking at Joseph, or not, excuse me, Joseph, but when we're looking at Jacob and Esau, man, there was a couple of things that really just stood out to me. You know, I've read it. I don't know how many times I've read it, but that's one thing that I love about Scripture is no matter how many times you read something, something is always going to stand out. It is alive, and it's, it's sharper than a double-edged sword, and it's just when it, in an incredible moment to be able to read something over and over and over again, but then you see something that is just amazing in that moment. This week and next week are my amazing moments <laughs> in my quiet time studying through this, and I feel like God is, is a good way to share this with you because this is going to be a great way for us to draw closer in with God. Now, one of the things that this does entice, though, I will tell you, is conviction from my part. And in my part, I know that there's going to be somebody here that's going to hear the words that God is going to give to you, and it's going to expel upon conviction. And that is something that we really uh, hone in on as Christians to understand what God is doing in our lives to draw us closer to him. And a lot of people, a lot of Christians even today, want to shy away from conviction because of the fact that it brings possibly shame upon us, and nobody wants to feel shame. 
As a matter of fact, God is not going to use shame to shame you into a relationship with him. It's by grace through faith that you are saved, and it's by grace that he draws you closer into him. And if by grace conviction is uh, expelled upon in your life, then you need to listen to this moment and understand that God is not wanting to hurt you. He is wanting to understand, wanting you to understand that you are doing something wrong in your life and needs to be put away from, and we need to understand that we need to be drawn closer into him. And it could be the most minute thing that you don't even realize that you are doing, and then whenever he brings this upon you, you can't help but think, why have I not noticed this before? And it could be one of those things that hits you like a 10-pound hammer, and you know you have this. It's an addiction of some sort. And you have tried for years to get rid of this because you know that it creates a chasm between you and God, and you have to get rid of whatever this may be. And so after years of trying, you have finally come to the realization that I can no longer do this on my own. I need some sort of partner. I need some sort of accountability partner. I need a prayer partner. Something along those lines to help you realize that in that moment, you can no longer do this on your own. So if you get to that point where you understand the conviction that you have in your life, it is not because I have pinpointed on one single person in here. It is because God is dealing with your heart. And I hope and I pray that you listen. So let's dive into this incredible word that we're going to get into that we've named the blessing, deception, and the sovereignty of God. And if you've listened to me preach before, if you listen to me just teach anything, I absolutely adore the sovereignty of God, how God has placed everything in order for us to realize that he has had a plan all along. That when you are in this moment that he brings you somebody that you were least expecting, that years ago he put something in motion in their life for you to have a divine appointment at that crossroad, at that moment in time, whatever it may be. That is the sovereignty of God. He puts things in motion well before you were even born to help you realize that, A, you have purpose, you have been placed, And that he wants you to understand that the will of God includes you in this wonderful journey of life. So as we dive into Exodus chapter, or excuse me, Exodus, Genesis chapter 25, great words that are told here uh, by Moses as it was written down. So let's pick it up, verse 21, and we'll read from there. We'll read it, and then I will give some background to the story. Most of you already know the story to Jacob and Esau. But there's some people in here, whoever you may be, you've probably have never heard this story. So we'll go ahead and do the background here in just one second. In verse 21, it says this of chapter 25. Isaac prayed to the Lord on the behalf of his wife because she was barren. And the Lord answered him, Rebekah, and the Lord answered him, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. Now stop right there. Stop right there. Already, just in one verse, we already see the sovereignty of God being projected upon this amazing family. Isaac is the son of Abraham. And what is one facet that you know about Abraham? Abraham's wife was barren. She could not conceive. She could not have a child. 
It was almost when he was almost 100 years old before they even had a son, before they had Isaac. It was before that that, she had, that he had to sleep with somebody else to even have a child at a younger age, but it was not Sarah. So the fact is, is that even though Sarah and Rebekah are not related, the sovereignty of God shows that he is gracious to those who seek him. Because we already see how God is working in their lives by seeing how Rebecca cannot conceive. So look at it continuing on in verse 22. But the children struggled together within her, and she asked, If it is so, why then am I this way? So she went to inquire of the Lord. The Lord said to her, pay attention to this, the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb. The two people will be separated from your body. One people will be stronger than the other. The older shall serve the younger. Already we see another portion of the sovereignty of God being placed upon them. Now we get a prophecy between the two sons, between Jacob and Esau. And he says the younger will serve or excuse me, the older will serve the younger. There's two nations inside of you, which there is. We have the Edomites, and then we have the Israelites. We'll get to that much later about what God says about the Edomites. But the fact is, is that we see how God has already got a plan that involves these twin brothers. But he gives an insight to Rebecca. Gives one single insight to Rebecca here and how you are to raise your children. He says that the, the older will serve the younger. We'll get to that in just one second, what that means. Verse 25. Now the first came forth, and he was read all over, hairy a garment, and they named him Esau, or Edom. Uh, in verse 26, afterwards his brother came forth, and his hand was holding onto Esau's heel, so they named him Jacob, and Isaac was 60 years old when, he gave birth, when, she, when Rebekah gave birth to them. When the boys grew up, Esau became, skill, became a skillful hunter and a man of the field, and Jacob was a peaceful man living in tents. Now Isaac loved Esau. Now Isaac loved Esau because he had a taste for wild game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Already a separation there. When Jacob had cooked some stew, Esau came in from the field, and he was famished. And Esau said to Jacob, please let me have some of that red stuff there, for I am famished. Therefore, his name will be called Edom. But Jacob said, first sell me your birthright. Esau said, Esau said behold, I am about to die. So he used his birthright. So what is my birthright to me? So Jacob said, first swear to me. So he swore to him and sold him his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some lentil stew, and he ate and he drank and he rose and went away from, and went away, went his own way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. So Esau comes in from the field and he says, I am famished. How many of you have ever been so famished coming in from work that it didn't even feel like you could get filled up. You know, there's a point, one point in time whenever I was in high school, I just, you know, three large pizzas was just not enough, you know? It was just, you, I would just put them away, you know? Big guy in high school, a lot of activities. There's one time I was working for a farmer, and I came into it, and his wife always made us dinner. Whew, have mercy, that woman could cook. But man alive, it was hot that day, and I, I felt like I was next to death. 
I felt like I was famished. And I came in and I began to just, I, I poured my plate and she slapped my hand and said, son, what are you doing? And I said, I'm hungry. I can't wait for anything longer. And she said, son, we pray around here. I don't know what you think you're doing. You're outside of your mind. And I said, yes, ma'am. And so I put, this, I put the bowl back and put the plate down and I sat down in my place and it felt like an eternity waiting for the guy to come in from the field. But it was only about five minutes that he followed in back behind me. And we ate and we ate and I was stuffed and I couldn't move any longer and I had to go home to my, go home to my house and tell my parents all about what had happened. But it, the fact is, is that when I came in, I felt like I was going to die. The word famished there was next to death for Esau. And he came in and he said that I'm going to die if you don't give me this. I want you to see the struggle between the two here, between Esau and Jacob here. And every single Christian, if you are a follower of Christ, you have a war that rages with inside of you. You have a battle that you face each and every single day. As soon as you open your eyes to the moment you close them, you have this battle that rages on. And every Christian, there's a war that rages. The first, the first part of the battle is amongst the flesh. You have to understand that you have this war between the flesh and that it is the immediate, the here, and the now. Whatever it is that you feel like you absolutely have to have, that is of the flesh. And the flesh is no good. It means that you have to have it immediately. The other part of that, the other war that faces within you is of the spirit. The spirit is patient, it's kind, it's generous. It's all of the fruits of the spirit. It has self-control. And you can wait. Matter of fact, the Spirit tells us in Psalm 46.10, it says, Be still and know that I am God. You know, we, we, we face this battle every single day. You know, I, I saw, I went into a, an AT&T store one time, and I saw where it said on the, on, the, on the wall right there, it says, You deserve the latest tech. And it was, pointing, it was pointing to, I think at the time, the Razor phone. How funny is that? But anyway, the little flip phone that most of you probably still have. Not, it's a joke. Don't. Anyway, but they were saying you had to have this latest thing here. It, you deserved it. You worked hard for your money. Now pay me it. You should have this now. And then some people, I, I've seen it on the news where people will stay in line and, and camp out of the Apple store for weeks just to get the latest iPhone. They want to be the first in line because they don't want that thing to run out and they don't want to have to wait the next, what, week before the next shipment comes in, you know? So they say that, that we have to have this now. We have to see what all it can do. I love technology. I enjoy it. But I'm still rocking my iPhone 8. And we're up to like, I don't know, 3,600 now on iPhones. But the fact is, is that we know now that of the flesh, it's immediate, it has to stay current. And the world rages on with all of this. And as you begin to fight that battle, what is your stew? What is that thing that you feel like you have to have now? Otherwise, you will die without it. You know what that part is. You know what is going on inside of you. You know that addiction that runs through your veins, that if you don't have this now, you feel like you're going to suffer 
without it. And that's the war that rages on between us, between the flesh and of the spirit. And as we continue to fight this battle, as Christians, we fight it on our knees. We fight it in our relationships with one another. I look at my brother in Christ and I say, how was your week? He says, it was great, but I stumbled one time. Looked at something I shouldn't have. I said, did you tell your wife? He said, yep, she knows. I said, good. Did you ask for forgiveness? I did. I said, what are you going to do about this? Probably going to go to counseling now because of it, because I can't get rid of the addiction. My accountability with you is not working. I said, I, I understand. I completely understand. Seek out the help that you need to get rid of whatever you're facing. Because the problems, if you leave it going, if you continue to rage on, will become worse. And this chasm that's between you and God, that's called sin, only develops worse. Let me give you an example. How many of you, just a show of hand, how many of you remember what Pastor Steve preached on last week? Understanding that the immediate and the sin that causes the chasm tears you away from the message of God. And by the show of hands, I know that none of you reflected on the word of God and how we face our giants and go throughout the week and how we can take a single stone and slay that giant. If we truly believe, listen to me here, if we truly believe that this place right here where preachers stand all the way back from 1898 to now is holy ground and we believe that he takes this precious word right here and we believe that he is a messenger from God, how come we're not reflecting on this word from God? The Bible in Exodus 24, 12 says, come to the top of the mountain, Moses, and be on top of the mountain with me. Don't think about how you're going to descend. Don't think about what's going on down at camp. Be with the living God. I am God. Tell them that Yahweh has sent you. Come to the top of the mountain and be with me. How can we be with God if we don't remember what happened seven days ago? I don't mean that to belittle any of you. But if we're Christians, and the majority of us are, we're letting the flesh win by not allowing us to remember what even Pastor Steve has so much conviction over. These messages are not just for you, they're for him. He's preaching to himself, and I understand that 100% because I'm doing the same thing right now. Just as the Israelites listens to the prophets of old, God has sent preachers. And if we don't listen to them, we create a bigger chasm of sin between us and God. So dear brothers and sisters, reflect on the words that are being spoken. I record them every week, and I post them on our website. Not for those that are not here, because they can listen to them too, but for you guys to reflect on them. I know that God can move in a mighty big way if we study the word of God and the messages that are being taught. 
But brothers and sisters, don't let the flesh win. The flesh says, no, you don't need to reflect. The flesh says, no, the TV is more important. Flesh says, no, your cell phone's more important. Flesh says that your job is more important. How can you provide for your family if you don't have a job? It's true. But if that job is more important than what is being remembered from the messages of God, then it's not worth it. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world to lose his soul? Take this as an example of how we fight our battles between the flesh and the spirit. 60 years old is whenever, whenever Isaac has his, first, has his sons. But what did, he, what did he have to do? What did Isaac have to do? He inquired on the Lord for Rebekah. The word inquired there is the same word where Paul says, I begged God for three different seasons of my life to remove that thorn in my flesh, the messenger from Satan, the thorn in my side. But as we understand that he inquired the Lord to, for Rebekah, that yes, he is asking for himself to have sons, but he's also asking for his wife. Because see, he's the patriarch here. He is in charge of the spiritual well-being of his family. He is in charge of his household and making sure that they're provided for. And because of that, he got the double portion from his father. He took that double portion and grew it bigger and better. But yet he remembered his God and inquired upon him to have sons, and did so for Rebecca. Husbands, do we inquire the Lord for our wives? Do our wives know that whenever they wake up in the morning, that they know that their name is going to cross your lips each and every day? Do we inquire upon the Lord? Wives, do they do the same thing for your husbands? Do they know that each day your name is being spoken? That their name is being spoken? But husbands, inquire upon the Lord. Because here's the exact opposite. Esau sold his right to that double portion. He said, I could care less about being the patriarch of the family. I don't care about the spiritual well-being of the family. I don't care about the, the double portions of land and requirement. He says, what is it good to me if I die? Because I feel like I'm going to die. He was not about to die. He could eat a patch of dirt and he'd been okay. But the fact is, is that he gave that up. The Bible says that he despised it. He despised it. Husbands, do we despise our wives? If we don't inquire upon the Lord, that's almost what that word exactly means. Because I know the people, the men of this church don't despise their wives. They love them. They would do anything for them. So pray for them. Every single morning, pray for them and their spiritual well-being. Don't despise them. So what is it that we can take away from all of this? 
When you ignore the will of God, you will always have conflict. Rebecca and, Jake and, and uh, Isaac ignored the will of God, and there was conflict. God gave them insight about how to raise their children, to raise the twin boys, and there was conflict between the two. He said the, young, the older will serve the younger, understanding that he was wanting them to tell them that Jacob is going to be the patriarch of the family. He's going to receive the double portion because the Lord said so. If they would have led with that, all of what is about to happen would have been fixed at that moment. But they chose to ignore it, and then what happened? Isaac favored Edom. He favored Esau. And then Rebekah favored Jacob. Parents are favoring the child's children and they're separating them. Of course there's gonna be conflict now. Of course there's gonna be a separation there. There's gonna be problems between the two nations. There were wars fought between the Edomites and the Israelites when generations came because they ignored the will of God. When you ignore it, there's always conflict. When God has given you such insight, take it, run with it, enjoy it. Have the freedom that God has embraced you to understand his will. Then when doors are flying open, and I'm not talking little tiny doors, I'm talking garage doors that we can drive semis through. And they stay open. That's the will of God. Jump on that, run with it, go as fast as you can through it. But when we choose to ignore it, there's conflict. Immediate gratification of the flesh will always cost you. It will always cost you. It cost Esau his birthright, his double portion. It cost much anguish between the families. It cost Jonah hard endureship, hard conflict. A war that raged on between him because he chose immediate gratification because he thought he was better than the Ninevites. I'm not going to them. Turns and goes the other way. Immediate gratification. Cost Judas his life for immediate 30 pieces of silver because he wanted to put Jesus as an earthly king of the Jews when God said, no, no, no. He's the king of the world and I'm gonna do something bigger for everybody in it. But then Judas realized his mistake of his immediate gratification and it cost him his life. And lastly, point number three, God's favor among you is not based on works or position. You cannot do enough to earn his grace. You cannot do enough to earn heaven. 
You cannot go to church enough. You cannot teach Sunday school long enough. You cannot go out and do all of these things that you think are good, godly things, but then never surrender your life to Christ. You cannot have the flesh and have immediate gratification and ignore the will of God and choose not to surrender your life to Christ. Because what that's going to do is give you a lifetime of conflict of ignoring the will of God here on earth and it's going to cost you your life in hell. That is not what God wants at all in our lives. God wants us to have that relationship that bores the fruit of the Spirit. It's written all over you. You are born into the image of God. James 1.18, out of everything he created, he loves you the most. Don't get caught up on the things of this world that are going to kill you. They're going to destroy you and take your very life away from you. The flesh rages on because that's the immediate, that's what we face now. We're born into sin. But the one that is destined to rule in your life comes very much second. But he will always be first. When we choose to put pride and arrogance, ignorance above the will of God, there's no wonder you have such hardships. When we choose to put pride before being the patriarch of our family, no wonder we have so many prodigals. When we choose to ignore what God is calling us to be, there's no wonder the world is in the shape that it's in. Don't let this be deaf to you any longer. Don't let the messages being spoke each and every Sunday morning be ignored. Don't forget them by nap time. Reflect on them with your family. Don't say that you're gonna come on Sunday night but then choose to watch football. When we have a prayer night, it's the least attended. Where's the reverence for Christ? He says, my house will be a house of prayer, but we don't even come. I'm not saying that we have to come to church when the doors are open every single time. I'm just saying that we have the reverence for Christ that he so richly deserves. How can we have 250 on Sunday morning, but 10 on Sunday night? The flesh kill you every time. Its only purpose is to harm you. It is a messenger from Satan. He wants nothing but to destroy you. But Jesus says, Jesus says, I have come to give life 
in life more abundantly. Think of every story in the Bible where Jesus gave abundantly. Think of every time when God promised something and it happened. Think of every time you inquired for your wife and you saw richness coming from her because God then was pouring into her life. Maybe from you, maybe from her sisters. And then you begin to have this external happiness and joy that only God can give. Because then you see the richness of the spirit flowing through your family. Nothing brings me joy than seeing my kids say, Daddy, it's time for Bible study. Daddy, Mommy is sick tonight. Can you pray with us? She normally prays with us, but can you pray with us tonight? I don't want to go a night without prayer. There's no greater joy than seeing God at work in your family. There's no greater joy than seeing the love and the joy being poured through our church family. I hope and I pray that whatever you're facing today, that God's richness will flow over you and that you say at this moment, no more. I am Thank you again for listening to today's audio sermon. If you're listening to us today and don't have a church home, we would love for you to join us on Sunday mornings at 945 for Sunday school and 1055 for our worship. For more information and previous sermons, please check out our website at shakotafbc.com or you can download our app. Search in your app store for church app-tidly.